Welcome to Board Game Box Office, the Table Knots podcast about board games, movies, and Christmas horror. My name is Max, and I'm joined by Kyle and Kenny. For our featured topic, we'll be discussing four holiday horror movies and what it is about the unconventional crossovers that are so fun. But before we get into that, what you been playing lately, Kyle? Before we get into that, do we want to talk about how we spent 20 minutes prior to the show talking yeah. about that 10-second intro? Yeah, we tried to find a real clever alliteration, and all we could talk about, all we could think about was <laughs> and it was no, do not say we, do not say we. Uh, that's gonna become part of your like regular lexicon now, Max, and that's gonna be that's gonna get you in trouble for that's sure. It's gonna be troublesome. I think I think it was not really a part of my vocabulary until I realized that you hated it, and now I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> okay. Now I'm no stranger to the swear word. Uh, as Josh likes to point out, but Don't yeah, I can't, swear. I can't stand that word <laughs> that I had to, I, of course I made a comment about it and then you'll take it and run with it. And Jeff will hear this and also run with it. <laughs> and I'll probably hear it 50 times a day for the rest of my life. So <laughs> that's on me. But, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very thick. I, I feel like it's the last forbidden word. Just, I just, you don't say it, you know? Yeah. Ag- agreed. It is the See, there no there are plenty of words I don't say okay, and okay. will not say. Okay, okay. There's there's a lot of there's you're true. There is a lot of forbidden words. But. Kenny's like, we can say anything <laughs> but that uh, <laughs> anything. I agree with that. This sentence. is one of those clips your coworker's gonna show Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny is working worried about working at a tech company to get cancelled and It'll happen right yeah. here on this podcast. He just did it for himself, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Oh, uh, good thing cool. you edit this. Cool. Yeah, yeah good yeah, thing yeah. I'm going to edit this all out. Oh, it's good. <laughs> just put a bleep over the word that Kyle hates and then keep people guessing. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that, will it be fine for you? It could because it would be anything. People could just assume that you're saying, like, the worst of the yeah, worst. Yeah, it's fine. I can release the uncut tapes. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if if I if I, people are like wait a minute hold up I'll be like join our patron and I'll release to you the uncut episode yeah I will free my name yeah let's talk about some games boys I played a a divisive game uh in the table knots discord recently this week and that's the lost ruins of Arnak with the expedition leaders expansion uh the lost ruins of Arnak uh is a deck building worker placement game kind of got an indiana jones theme i had played it previously it's been out for about three years um i had played it recently once solo and then the rest online and i was pretty mid on the game uh from those from those perspectives but i tell you playing it live and with the expansion was it was an absolute treat it took my score from like a seven to like an eight and a half or a nine I will get this out of the way. Like I absolutely prefer Dune still like Dune is up there for like top three games of all time for me. Arnak is not reaching that height, but man, it it was fun. It was absolutely fun. And I don't know what it is about it that like sets it apart from other worker placement games of this ilk, because like it does like some pretty similar things. You're, you're collecting resources. You're using those resources to move up a track um, or to like buy cards for your deck. I don't know. Um, it was just fun. I was like anxious for my turn to get back around. Yeah, I think part of it is just like a beautiful game. It's like the production is amazing for the price point and the art is just I think some of the best of especially of that theme of like the um archaeological exploration theme. Um 
and like I, I also don't have a ton of experience with uh, the actual game in person, but uh, I can definitely see why you would be taken by it. Yeah, I've played this game once in person. That was actually with Jeff and Jamie, and I did enjoy my in-person play more. Uh, but then I've played a, a fair amount on Board Game Arena for someone who trashes the game. Um, but I've always made it pretty clear that trashing on Arnak is predominantly a bit. Yeah, that's a meme I, for us now. I do not hate that game. I just do prefer Dune. But I have been playing quite a bit more and enjoying it more, too. It's, it has risen in my estimation. It's certainly still not to the level of Dune. One thing <laughs> I want to address that you mentioned is you're, like, real anxious and excited for it to get back to your turn. And I completely agree, and I get that feeling with Arnak, too. But, and this is a me problem. This isn't necessarily a game problem, but tell me if you feel similarly. When I'm playing Dune, not to compare these games that really don't need to be compared, but we are already, so let's let's just dive right into the deep end. When I'm playing Dune, I get that like anxious, excited feeling to get my turn back, and the entire time I'm like thinking, like the whole yeah. I don't know why my brain is engaged the entire time. It's not my turn. Like, what can I do? And then when I'm playing Arnak, I find what I need to do, and then I zone, and then by the time it gets back to my turn, I'm like, wait, crap, what did I need to do? <laughs> like. I already forgot what I need to do there. And I obviously, you know, spots get taken, but that's in the same across both games. For some reason to me, the the Arnak gameplay loop just feels so much more procedural and less like I think I can kind of go with the flow and be liquid with my plans and more like I have to get this done and I have to do this. And it feels kind of like I'm crossing off check marks or I'm working on a flow chart, whereas Dune, I just feel way more like... I don't know, into it. I, I, it's hard for me to explain, and I know that's a me thing, but that's well, just where I usually get to. To piggyback off you there, I think the thing with, like, and I was thinking about this a little bit, because I knew this discussion would come up. I think Dune is tighter, and it's just more interactive. Um, Like, what, yeah, for you, sure. what, what you're doing affects me so much more in Dune than it does in Arnak. Um, yeah. Like, what are the odds that they're going to go to the exact spot you or need like, to have in Arnak? Or in like the thing, thinking of like the battles, like you got to, th- you got to sit out some battles and you're like, oh, what is he re- rearing up to do? Oh, he's going to beat me on this alliance track. Um, so there's just so much more to like consider um, on other right. people's turns in Dune. Whereas Arnak is like, it has such a different feel despite them being off compared because you're right. I'm like planning my turns on Arnak and I'm not really worried about anybody taking what I want to yeah. do. Um, it's more of just like, okay, I have two workers. How can I stretch these two workers into something that's going to feel like a, a good round? Cause there's only five rounds in the game. Um, and I will say like, I, I kind of get a feel more of like something like dominion, which is like more combo. I feel like, okay, I'm going to do this, which is going to lead to this, which is going to lead to this. And you're doing a lot with very little Dune doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I don't love. My brain just doesn't process that as well as i would like it to and so it's like oh i need to get this for the resource track but how do i acquire that by going here and playing this card and doing that and it's just it's hard for me to wrap around it so really it can be boiled down to the fact that i prefer doom to arnak is because i'm dumb (laughs) i think i think uh, that that's pretty much it no we can't have that we can't have that because then it's going to come down to like if you like dune you're a dumb person and if you like arnak you're smart we can't have that in the discord or in the conversation i'm dumb and i'm proud well fine both can be true dune is better but you can be dumb 
Okay, but it is just me. You're right. Yeah. But I, I, I did really enjoy Arnak. Um, I'm actually really excited to keep playing. I'll probably play again next week. Uh, my friends were really into it um, as well. So, oh, we, we should test ourselves one day and see if we can have a conversation about either Dune or Arnak without bringing up the other. I almost prefaced my whole thing was like, we're not going to compare this to Dune. We're not going to. But, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you broke the seal there, Kyle. I did. Oh, I know. I know I did. I wasn't even going to do it. Yeah. Yes, you were. Yeah, I probably was. You're probably right. Isn't it funny, though? Like, they're like Endless Winter. That, that's the same milk, but no one talks about that. That game's they, bad. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I think it had a lot of hype. A lot of hype, mostly from content creators being like, this is the best of the three. And I want you to know that I've always said that it was lesser than Dune. I did have it above Arnak for a while. Um, but I think that Arnak's probably better than Endless Winter at this yeah. point. I don't know. It's just, it's a tighter game. Endless Winter is just such a it, sandbox that's not really that satisfying. It really yeah, felt agreed. soulless. It's like, here's seven different games put into one game. Have fun. I much preferred Resurgence by uh, the same designer. Yeah, Resurgence is good. Yeah. Is, is Stan the designer of Endless Winter? Yep. Wow. I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that. Interesting. I still have Endless Winter around just because, like, I mean, I think the production is gorgeous for the game it and, is good it is um good. you know maybe maybe one day i'll go back to it but yeah but probably not yeah i've still yet to play with the arnak expansion though and i know that that's what a lot of people say makes it rise a lot for them so i'm looking forward to trying it out but i think really for me it's just that interaction it, only interaction in arnak for me is like the early game when you're like i need those compasses or yeah when I there's need only five get- spots yeah, or like you really need, you want that researcher. Like one of the first researchers available is one that you really want, and you're rushing to acquire it before someone else takes it. And then after that, it's like, okay, I got what I need. I'm going to play my game now. Yeah. And it's just a little, to me, I, I don't like that as much. I th- and I think like the thing is like for us, like at least here in Kentucky, I feel like if we, we want to play something like that, we probably just play Dune. <laughs> I think we've all yeah. been challenging to play Dune lately. So, yeah. I'm probably about to order Uprising uh, in a couple days. I just think they're so... I, I really do think they're just such a different feel. Like, I, I don't are. think... Yeah. I don't think if you're wanting to play Dune, it's because, like, oh, what am I going to play, Dune or Arnak? Because I think they're just so different. I I don't know. Um, It's weird that they're compared. For me, it's, it's kind of well, weird that they're compared. It's like Barbie and it's, Oppenheimer, you know? Like, because they came out at the same time, they're going to be yeah. an extract, uh, forever linked, you know? So the thing with me that I compare a lot of games because I play a lot less games than someone like you, Kyle. So for me, it's not a, I want to play a game like Arnak, so I'd rather play Dune. It's, oh, we're going to play a worker placement game. Like, we're not just comparing those two. We're comparing all worker placement games. Yeah. Like, which one am I going to pick? And in in that instance, it's going to be Dune nine times out of ten. Yeah, it gets a lot more general. Yeah. Right. With less time, I compare everything increasingly. I just compare everything together because, like, my time is so limited that I, I'm comparing playing this game or not. Not I'm going to play both. One do I want to play now and later? It's just that's that's fair. That's fair. It's just which one am I going to play at all? But, anyways, sorry to bring more Dune into this. Arnak has risen in my estimation. You should be happy to hear that. People that care a lot, um, but I do still prefer Dune. Arnak is a good game. Let it be known. It is. It is. We'll pull the veil back. It's pretty good, you know? We don't really need to keep that facade up any longer. <laughs> we still hate the All crew, right, though. Kenny. Yeah, I still hate the crew. Kenny, what have you been playing lately? Uh, we've been playing games Dylan wanted to play. Um, 
It was one of those nights. <laughs> one of those nights. In the chat, he was like, oh, we only play what Max wants to play. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Just play everything you want to play. And then the game night ended, and we were like, hey, man, that was a, that was a fun night, guys. Good time. <laughs> I'm kidding. The games were pretty good. Yeah, they're right. Uh, so we got to the table, Deep Rock Galactic, and this is based off a indie PC game, um, an indie PC game I have never played. It's kind of like Minecraft, but like uh, also like a tower. Uh, kind of like Left for Dead more yeah. than anything. Yeah, I guess Left for Dead Minecraft is a bit tower defensey. You're like in a, the only Minecraft thing is that you have a pickaxe. <laughs> I've never, I've never <laughs> played Minecraft. I don't know. Uh, I say well, you, you, you hit. Wait, yes, I have. You hit the stone and you get stuff. And Steve. Yeah, yeah. I can see where you would think they are the exact same game then. But uh, Deep Rock Galactic is a pretty basic, like, cooperative game where basically everyone's playing a different dwarf miner and you're trying to get uh, gems from a thing. This can be so hard to describe. I. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah. Uh,. <laughs> But it's a, every player plays asymmetric, has asymmetric powers. Like I played like a dwarf who has a scouting ability to basically kind of like a you can move and shoot. Um, while I think like Jash played a guy who could basically go through the rock. What did he play, Max? Yeah, I had a turret. Uh, I oh had yeah, a turret. turret that you didn't use till the very end. I didn't use till the very end, and I had a Smart. grenade launcher that did splash damage. So that's pretty that cool. Either. No, I use that a lot. That worked. That was successful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much what you expect. Like you're just trying to you're, you're managing the enemies on the board that will spawn at different spawn points, um, trying to collect different things off in the map within a certain time limit. Um, and it was perfectly fine. Like I, I enjoyed it. But it's also I think I think my biggest qualm with the game is that it felt very easy. Um, Dylan said yep. he threw us in like three or four missions deep into like the campaign the third, i believe yeah yeah but even then it was just like a total breeze um mm-hmm. so i'd be curious <sighs> to see like how if it the, the difficulty escalates in a meaningful way i do want to present one caveat because i agree with you kenny but when the game ended we were getting close to the end of that track that's uh, true the escalation track and also a bigger guy did spawn right at the end so, like, I don't know if we were su- super easy, like, too far away from it becoming a problem, but it did feel too too easy, too inconsequential. But I think that might be an even, even bigger problem. If, if we were that close to losing, it, but it didn't feel exciting, that's, 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 that's fair. That's yeah. a bigger problem. Because, like, I think, absolutely. Like, like it, it felt like it was a cakewalk um, and didn't, didn't really have much con- conflict, you know? Like, there's no, there's no really big moments. That's kind of what you yeah, want it, in a, a big cooperative game, like... Like tense and just exciting, and that didn't really have that. At least in this play, the cool it had a few cool things where you did your dash shoot, dash shoot, and took out a few easy people. Where my turret took out four tiny guys in one attack. Uh, where Doolin was finally getting like real close to dead, and we were able to help. But like he was the only one that even remotely took any sort of meaningful damage. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I just think I totally agree with you. I just want to play more to to see what's up but i think the the asymmetric characters are really cool our abilities were in fact unique and made us feel very different from one another uh the grenades the weapons the events the things where you have to speak in dwarvish accent uh you actually got real into kenny and that was that was a brilliant time so there's a lot to like about this game what you talked about with worker placement games uh max is kind of how i feel with cooperative actually it has to be special or like why am i not playing like 
too many bones or something, you know, like, or Spirit Island. Like, why am I not playing Spirit Island? Um, so I struggle with that with when it comes to cooperative games, and I really struggle when they're too easy. I cannot stand that. Um, I want to be losing cooperative games like 70, 80% of the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, or I, else, like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, At I least mean, like, 50. Because, like, if you beat it, it's just like, okay, we're. I, I've done it. I've solved the puzzle. Like, if you're beating it, like, two or three times in a row, it's like, what, what's the point of even returning? I guess I don't even care if I lose. I care how it makes me feel. Like, well, I'm fine winning 95% of co-op games if it feels like I'm about to lose 90% of that 95%. For me, like, a, a co-op game has to have, like, the good moments. The, the really exciting, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, something just cool happens, or we had to solve a really hard problem, you know, together to get get past it um and in the case of this game i didn't really have that um but again like one play it's, it's Did hard you to feel say like you had to cooperate together or was it more like i'm taking my turn you take your turn or was there like communication like problem solving there wasn't not much no, no. yes yeah, we, we definitely did work together but like it did not feel necessary um what is the biggest thing like so for me kenny i i'm thinking what does this game compare to for my time because it is fairly unique but the thing that initially jumps to my mind though it's not the same is death may die where you just have different characters you're running around the map trying to collect different things to fulfill an objective and that's way more hectic zany fun to me it felt like playing project elite but without the real-time element oh see that's that's everything though yeah that's a fair comparison but in project elite i i guess it's a less less ex- exploration, which so is Death May Die, to clarify. But, like, you do have to maneuver around the map and have to get things to fulfill the objectives, but I'm not... Yeah, I don't know where the direct comparison is, but I think that this is a game that, that big fans of Deep Rock Galactic will love because it is a very solid game. And if you have a connection to the IP, yeah. I think this is going to be a blast. I yeah, think the Furnace and Board look cool, too. I mean... No, yeah, it's it, it's a very nicely designed game, and I mentioned too, it all fits in a real small box. Like, well, let me clarify, it's not a real small box, but you look at all the components, and you're like, no way that fits in that box. So they did a good job getting it to fit in like an appropriately sized box without it being four things of Death May Die and four things of Nemesis or whatever. But I think it's going to be a hit for people that like the IP and probably just the why I play this the, over something else. Did Dolan else. play the video game? Yeah, Dylan yeah. and Jash both love the video game. Okay, okay, so they're they're probably more into it because of that. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They it, they have streamed this on Twitch on the Table Knots uh, channel. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't watch Table Knots. Yeah, that Maybe. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense too. <laughs> uh, I played a game called Cat Magic. This is a card game that is designed by David Scherer and published by Chinoweth Press. This was sent to us. Uh, for review this is a race take that munchkin gang up type game so you have a tableau of five cards and it's a collection not a tableau you have a collection of cards in front of you and you start with an artifact and that artifact says collect these five cards and if you do collect those five cards you can spend an action to basically win if you spend two actions spend a turn to win the game Um, But the whole premise of the game is about taking actions to get those five cards that you need. And throughout the course of the game, you are collecting them and getting closer and closer to your end goal. 
And if people think they know what you need, they can play Munchkin against you and take the card from your tableau or your collection and give you a dead cat or a dead mouse, which means you have to spend a whole turn discarding it. And it's very mean and take that but at the same time, it's pretty lighthearted fun. So I played this at two with just Jash, and the game was probably 20 minutes. And it got to a point where I wasn't able to stop Jash. Jash, Jash won the game because I didn't have a card that I was able to remove his, his item from. And then we played it at four with Doolin, Kenny, and Jash and myself. And that game lasted 90 minutes, 60 no. to 90 minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't 90 minutes. It was not that long. It was like maybe 45. Really? It felt like 90 minutes. It felt like 90 minutes. And I'll say, like at the end, I could have stopped Kenny, but I was like, nah, I'm going to play my card and hope that Jash stops Kenny and it gets back around to me and I win. So like it could have gone on even longer if I was like really just anti-Kenny. I think this is a game that is uh, pretty fun, but you have to like know going in like this is a real lighthearted, mean take that game that you're just going to have fun and laugh about because we had a lot of laughs. We had a good time. We, we had a lot of laughs playing it, but uh, it's not a game that would ever wow or impress. The art's cute, but it's, uh, it's fun for sure, but you just that need to know like what you get one, going in. You don't play at a game night. That's like one where you're like, Drinking with your buddies for like a cookout or something, or you're like yeah. with your cousins for a holiday, you bring that out. Yeah. I, and my, from what you guys are saying, and when Josh explained it in the Discord, like I was immediately out. Like he wrote one sentence and I was like, it's take that set collection. I was like, oh my God, that sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. It was a very frustrating game. Like, like we, we did have a lot of laughs and it was fun, funny. But it was just funny how like frustrating it was, just because like you know, uh, it is so. You take, think you're about to win? Yeah, and it's so take batty that it's just like you're constantly on the edge of winning, and it's just like no, not nah, not today. Yeah. Um, it feels very much like Munchkin, just like the worst parts of Munchkin when you're at the very end, and then just someone pulls out the rug from underneath you, you know. But yeah. I, I I do think like this game would have a place with the, uh, you know, depending on the grand game group, but. If you guys like Munchkin, you want something probably quicker than Munchkin, this is it. Definitely quicker than Munchkin. For I mean, sure. 90 minutes is pretty long. Okay, well, I was <laughs> obviously incorrect about that. <laughs> but I've always said that Munchkin is 20 minutes of fun packed into two hours. And I think that Cat Magic does focus more on the fun aspects of Munchkin as far as like the lighthearted beat em ups without lasting too long. But it is very frustrating at times as well when i played this at two i think it was a perfectly fine game because there's only one other person that can stop you Mm -hmm. but at four player count like if kenny was about to win doolin probably could stop him if doolin couldn't i probably could if i couldn't jash probably could there's just too many chances to stop somebody i just don't think take that works at more than two like i think of some stuff like villainous as well which my first play of that was at four and I hated it. And then I played that too. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And same thing with like Dice Throne. Yeah, I can see that. I could see it working just fine at three too. Um, but I don't think I'd ever really want to play this at four and definitely not five. That would just like, I don't know if the game would ever end. We cycled the <laughs> deck like three times. Like there's just so many cards there that do. It needs a deck that's twice the size. No, let's play. And this it has other down. stuff in there. Okay, let's, let's waste do it. three hours of my time let's down do there. <laughs> no, you said it. We're doing it. We're doing it now. It is fun though. Like we probably laughed the most playing that game. But I, I think like one of the things like I kind of felt as we played is like it needs more clever things to make you be able to like reach that endpoint um, more reliably. Um, just more yeah. like 
I, I mean, I'm not a designer. I have no idea, but I just felt like I, I felt I, I found all the clever things I could do. And otherwise it was just like crossing my fingers and hoping for the best, you know? Yeah. Hoping no one has the cards to pull the rug out from under you. Yeah. Basically that. Yeah. All right, Kyle, what's the next game on your list? Oh, I've also been playing a game called Caverna with you. With me. Yeah. I'm basically play- like, like a dummy player though. Like no, you're AI. doing well this game. Anyway, we'll Caverna is, uh, from Uwe Rosenberg, one of my favorite designers, a follow-up to Agricola. Um, another game, a uh, set of games that are oft compared, and you like one or the other. Uh, I don't know why I picked these two games. Better. Uh, I agree, Caverna is way better. Um, so in Caverna, it's a pretty standard worker placement game. Um, you're trying to build up your cave with rooms, and these rooms are going to either help you get food, or they're going to help you score points. Um, you're also building out a farm to store animals or to grow vegetables because you need to feed your your workers. Um, and every round, uh, a new worker placement spot is going to flip up, and those worker placement spots are the same every game, but they come out differently. So the sheep may come out early one game, and it may come out later another game, and you kind of have to plan around that. But I don't think it affects my strategy too much because I know it the game pretty well now uh but yeah caverna is just like a warm hug to me i love caverna so much it's it's a heavier game but it also feels like one of those like i can relax during it i'm not too stressed out and part of that is because it is a little bit more open than something like agricola which is a lot tighter um because caverna you have these rubies which you can turn in for whatever you need um you also have to feed your people way less than you do in agricola uh, but what I think makes Caverna shine uh, is not the worker placement spots, and it's not the openness. It's the amount of room tiles you can build in your cave. There's so many. There's like 30. And you can really shape your game around any of them and score well. Uh, like, do you want to get a lot of ore and score those? Or do you want to make a lot of food and score off that? Or do you want to get a lot of uh, soldiers and score off those? And um, So whatever you find fun, you can do. And you can uh, put up a good score, I think. I, I really have been liking Caverna. I really like it on BGA. I like it live. Um, but what have you been thinking, Max? I know you were kind of down on Agricola when you first played it, but you've liked it, Caverna more. I, I much prefer Caverna. I, I think both are probably good games. But uh, as someone who just like didn't really know what I was doing and started with Agricola, I played like two games of Agricola. I think I scored negative 11 one game and negative 6 the other game. And then my first game of Caverna, I scored like 40. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this feels feels way better. Like, I obviously don't think I won by any chance, but it is just, uh, it's just a more sandboxy game. It's less punishing. I feel like there's less like bars and barriers and walls that I have to like confine myself into. I can do other things, which is ironic because I've actually never, ever, ever taken a single warrior action. I don't even know what the warriors do i don't know how to build them up i have zero idea how that works which is crazy I, because like if you did that it would be even more open for you because you can get so many resources from doing okay. those actions next game i'm gonna figure out how the warriors work now maybe i'll lose t- terribly that game but that's what i'm gonna focus on because i literally don't even know how but what i like to do is build up my farm animals and build up my cave system and get me breeding and foraging lots of stuff and then start building buildings. And it's so much fun. I really, really like Caverna. I think it's a fantastic game. I've only ever played it on Board Game Arena. So I've never actually played this physically. I don't know that I even need to. 
it's a very good adaptation. Okay. I really like it. I will say you need to play it in real life with the expansion. Uh, yes, I think probably. that would be the thing because the expansion gives everybody asymmetric powers. Like, and so some people are just better at doing caves. Some people are better at doing farms. Some people can eat rocks. Um, and they just, a variety of buildings get put out instead of the standard ones. I don't know. Right. I, the expansion I think is very, very good. I almost wish I, it was on BGA just because I think it's even a better teaching tool than sure. just base game. Cause it gives everybody a focus. I keep hoping that they'll add the Norwegian expansion for Feast for Odin, too, because I like that game, but I, I'm kind of over it until we get the expansion. Whereas with Caverna, it's weird. You know, I'm actually thinking about this. We're, riff, we're riffing live here. But when I play Feast, Feast for Odin and when I play Caverna, I do the same thing every time. Both games. But for some reason, in a Feast for Odin, that gets old. And that gets boring to me. And in Caverna, I do the same thing every game. But I still have a great time doing it and i can't I, I don't have the answers i couldn't tell you why but i think just that gameplay loop excites me more i don't uh, know so what I it is it's about like it it's just, <laughs> yeah it's just it's just liking what i'm doing more in caverna is just way more fun in my opinion it's yeah i think it's a fantastic game that i'm still exploring the intricacies of in fact like i didn't even know i could organize my animal there's a lot i still don't 100 percent know and a lot of that comes from just playing on board game arena but I think it's a great game that I, I feel like I am at least able to be competitive in. Uh, and I enjoy watching like you and Jeff figure out other combos. Because like, you always seem to go after, not always, the past two games, go after the ore combo. Because yeah. no one else is going for ore. And you're like, well, I get a point for every ore. I have 36 ore at the end yeah. of the game. I'm like, God dang, dude. That last what? Game, that last yeah. game I rocked up so <laughs> I much. Like, <laughs> I was like, I guess I need to start taking ore out from under Kyle. Like, yeah, it's just fun to see all the different things you can do. The tiles that award you victory points for, you know, all the sheep you can have or having the most ruby mines and just all different kinds of things. I really, I just really enjoy that game. So Fantastic. I did get a new building this time that I actually find really fun. <laughs> And it's that I get to pay one food less for every donkey I have in a mine. So, mm. like, last round, I literally paid three food instead yeah. of, like, the normal six. It was incredible. Yeah. I didn't have to, do like, you, worry about feeding. Do you almost always exclusively just get three family members, too? Because I've never had four. I only do not, three. Not exclusively, but okay. I have found in Caverna more than Agricola, I don't put as much emphasis on getting family members. Yeah. Um. Maybe because I feel like I can, if I get a a warrior, I can do more with less, mm, and sure, I don't have to sure. worry about feeding as much. But. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic game. Kenny, have you ever played Caverna? Bros, I played Caverna with you like like three times. Shut up. <laughs> you must have uh, not won. No, I barely made an impact. Um. Oh, that, that makes- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just tying the game out, and I think like Jeff got annoyed, so that's my contribution to Caverna. Nice. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like Caverna's like I I picked up on Feast Road and pretty quick playing it. Um, just on BGA, and I love it. It's my favorite uh UVA game. Um, I picked up on Agricola pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm kind of like ninety percent there rules wise. Caverna, I, I I've played a few times and I still don't think I I feel like I picked it up as a game. I I would like to play in person just so I could have that full teach and full understanding of the rules. That's surprising, um, given that you played agree. a Agricola before. I find Caverna to be probably the most straightforward of the bunch, in my opinion. I know that you yeah. know it's everyone's minds work differently, but I, I I just wonder if it's just like the open endedness of Caverna is just hard to know if I'm doing it right. You know what I mean? Sure. 
but it's a very good game. I like it a lot. All right. Kenny. Yes. What else have you been playing? Well, I guess I'm the only person with the holiday spirit here because I've been playing. Uh, I, I got in Final Girl, the North Pole Nightmare. Um, this is from the Van Ryder Games' latest Kickstarter. This is kind of like their last uh, big reveals is that they're going to have uh, one of the Final Girl boxes out in time for Christmas. Um, and I think they they ran their Kickstarter like in October. So that, that's quite a feat. Mm. Um, and yeah, I got here, I think about a week ago. Um, and it is uh, basically kind of themed towards like the horror Christmas stuff like we're going to talk about in this episode a bit later. Um, you can play as either Mrs. Claus or I think, oh gosh, one of the elves um, of the North Pole. And you're fighting against Krampus um, as he tries to spread uh, evil presence throughout the North Pole and murder elves. So, Is it like literally evil presence or presence? Presence. Gifts. It's probably especially as it. Um, <laughs> oh, it really is gifts. It really is gifts. Like he'll actually, oh. like, there, there are certain cards in the, in the game that will like have you put a little token on the on the board. Um, some of them will be good. Some will be bad. Like it'll maybe get a benefit of getting more time to do more actions or it'll, you'll have to or reveal Jack in the box. Yeah. Or you might get a card that says reveal and re- go through this card and do all the bad things on it. Nice. Um, it's, it's very thematic and very, very cute. Um, like one, I think one of the funny mechanics in the game is it was but also annoying is that the elves in the game, the victims in the game are the elves. And I guess the elves are very, uh, extroverted and just chatty. So anytime you go into a space with a victim, aka an elf, you lose a time, which is just like uh, humongously hard to like navigate around because you're like you're always just strapped for like uh, your action economy just gets shot in the foot. Um, and uh, that's one thing I'll say that I found this one this box very very hard. Uh, I've only played about uh, two or three times. I just got trounced so quickly uh, mm. um, in all ga- all the games I played. Uh, I'm no final girl expert though, so uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. But uh, I was like, "Wow, this is really difficult." But it's—I mean, I—I—I I, I, I love the fact that it's a horror game themed that I can play around the holidays. Um, mm. And yeah, yeah, I think it hits fun. all the right notes for the thematics. Like, like one that I think my favorite thing I I stumbled upon is like one of the items is a misfit toys, and you basically you you get like three little tokens that you put on the board. And you kind of move them one step closer to uh, Krampus during the game. And like it's a teddy bear and like a wooden toy soldier or whatever. And if you, if it eventually hits the space where Krampus is, they do, it's like they explode or something and does uh, damage to uh, Krampus, which is great touch. Sounds pretty uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot, a lot of cool stuff like that in the game. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's super cool. I really like um, games that do that, which aren't inherently Christmas themed, but put out something Christmas like I. I think of that, and I think of like the Santa versus Dice Krampus throne. Dice Throne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the stuff I'm looking for for Christmas games, um, because like stuff like Santa's Workshop interests me. But also, do I want to spend thirty dollars on a game I'm going to play once a year? But then again, I spend seventy dollars on games that I play once a year. You know, but I don't True. know. It just seems <laughs> it just seems a lot more palatable uh, with something like Final Girl or Dice Throne, where it's just like a a quick little theme throw in. Uh, to play around this season. Um, I really enjoyed that. I think that's great that they did that. Yeah, those are always like tempting buys for me too. I don't know why. Like I don't even have Dice Throne or Final Girl, but I'm like, I kind of just want the Christmas ones. Like, I don't know. Just unique. Like just a cool yeah. set to have. And it's nice to have like a Christmas game that kind of subverts the usual like 
Christmas games are usually like, oh, family friendly. Like I think of like 12 nights or 12 days. Or if this 12 days. Yeah. Card. Oh man. 12 it's days. Just, it's just a little card game. Most of them are kind of like of that adult, just like really family friendly Christmas stuff. Where the Christmas theme is just playing pasted on. I appreciate this is not that. This is just like right. a pretty like in-depth thematic game that is Christmassy, but also it's not pasted on. This is like they they dig deep into the Christmas mythos and try to cram every little thing that feels like Christmas into this little box. Yeah. I didn't sweet. know anybody else has ever played Twelve Days of the Card Game. I th- I've never heard of it. <laughs> we're we're uh we're I think we're from the same uh tabletop generation, Kyle. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, well, Kyle, did you watch? Um, did you watch a lot of Tabletop with Will Wheaton? I did. I love that show. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it's because he featured that on the show. That's where I started playing it from. I mean, I've watched a lot of Tabletop, but I've we never seen that care, episode. Max. Oh, okay. All the right. card game, Max. It's not a good game. Yes, but my good. God, I will. I will always play it. <laughs> you're, you're gonna come down and i'm gonna be like we're playing 12 days for yeah. eight hours straight only <laughs> playing. No. kyle said he'll always play it it'll be the middle of july he'll never turn it down yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly all right and the final game we're going to talk about today is another game that kenny and i were able to play together we played this with josh and doolin as well this is seas of havoc which is designed by sebastian bernier wong and peter gorniak and published by rock manor games this is a worker placement seafaring. Can you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to call it this deck builder type game mm-hmm. in which you have basically two phases. You are a pirate. And you are controlling your pirate crew and also your boat. In the first phase, it is the island phase. where you are going to be placing down your pirate crew workers on several different worker placement spots. And after that is all said and done, you're going to move into the seafaring phase where you are navigating your ship, attempting to collect booty. Uh, ram the other ships this is it's just sexual on accident don't worry about it and also shoot at other ships uh, and have a grand old time doing so well some of us at least Kenny will tell you more about his experience (laughs) here in just a moment Uh, but yeah this is a really interesting game great theme I love the pirate themes I wish more games did that and I'm surprised they don't like for such a you would think that pirates would be like a big theme and I can only think of literally two games <laughs> that are pirate themed i'm sure i'm missing a lot but uh but yeah i thought it was really cool it, we'll talk more about it in a minute after kenny goes as to some reasons why it may not have been as successful as we'd like it to have been but i thought it was really fun i enjoyed the actions that you were able to take i enjoyed the the powerful abilities that you were able to buy in the market phase uh and of course just navigating the seas and, and doing what you will uh with your boat was a lot of fun but kenny what did you think about seas of havoc um, well, we should probably say Max won pretty handily. I did pretty handily. pretty handily, pretty handily, handily. So he probably is real up on it because of that. Um, that is true. I, I think Seas of Havoc. I think there's a good game there, but I think this play was just really chaotic. I think playing it for free for all style just opened people up to being real dicks, um, especially towards what? me. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so, so basically, at, in the game, like, my, like I was basically just like the cannon fodder that everyone used to shoot to get points. Yeah, and right. uh, there's there's a round towards the end of the game where Max Max attacked me, Dylan attacked me, and Jash attacked me one after the other. I'm just I felt like that Obama gift, just like shrugging, like what 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 I do? I yeah yeah. We need to say though that your asymmetric ability is the only reason that you even had one iota of fun in this game. 
Because if you did not have that asymmetric yeah. ability, you would have been Miserable. player eliminated in a game without player elimination. Yeah, because like one of the things, whenever you take damage, you basically take a, a card into your hand, uh, your your deck that basically just gums it up um, and is useless to you. And like I I, I took I would have taken more than half of those cards in the deck just because yeah. I was getting shot. We played with thirty, and I guarantee you had like almost twenty in your deck. Why did you all do this to Kenny? Well, because we could. Like he had a bad night. Because we like could. He had a bad night. <laughs> Listen, Kenny showed me his ass, and I shot at it. You know, I'm getting points. The game, the game awards you points for shooting somebody. Yeah. So, especially when you shoot them in the butt or in the face, and not their side. So there was one turn where I literally got like 12 points just shooting Kenny in one round because he didn't have the card to move out of my shot, and I was like, ooh. I got a shot. Ooh, I got another one. Ooh, here's another one. I was just scoring so many points because he couldn't move. Yeah, that felt really good. I'm glad we had that experience together, Max. Me too. Um, brought us closer together. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I think I actually think this game would probably be better like on if we're playing with four, like at two v two. Which it otherwise, does do. Yeah, I think I think that's probably if we played this game, I would, I'd want to play it that way just because I think like that would take away some of the chaos because like because I feel like part of it is just like it felt very random and in terms of like what people were doing or and what I could do uh, just because like finding like an overall strategy was kind of tough like I, even because I felt like I was doing the right things by moving around the map getting treasure but I was just I kept getting a shot. Constantly. Yeah, <laughs> I think that one thing to be mindful of in a second play is how little that booty, the treasure, actually matters. Helps. Yeah, like, it does help. It does. But we were, like, hyper-focused on it. And it it's not victory points, baby. <laughs> Shooting people. Ramming into people <laughs> is victory points. Like, So what does the booty do? The booty is basically free resources. So it's a it's, okay. you collect resources that allow you to get better cards and upgrade your cards. And the booty normally had two or three resources on it that you were able to use at any point in time to pay for something. But it didn't give you change. It's like if I needed a cannon and my car, my booty was a cannon and two uh, sail, then I would only use my cannon and my whole booty would be gone. And so it's really just like, it's not that impactful. Like, I think I got two. And I should I could have just got less. Like it's the game is about hitting your opponent. Like that is what it's all about. It's beating up on your opponents. Um, I think my biggest boon to this game, Kenny, and I'm curious if you at least feel the same way about this, is I think that something that really worked for me about Seas of Havoc is there is basically no downtime when you get a better card. And what I mean by that is. I, it is not a standard deck builder where I'm buying a card that goes into my discard. I'm buying a card that goes immediately into my hand mm-hmm. and can then be immediately used. And you're cycling your deck, as long as you're not taking a lot of damage, basically every other turn anyways. So like you're, you're getting to use these powerful cards often. It's not like I'm buying a card that I don't know that I'll ever see. I'm buying a card that I'm guaranteed to use once, probably two or three times throughout the course of the game. Um, and I do think that my Rebel who was my asymmetric character allowed me to cycle my deck a little bit more quickly than others. But in, in general, I felt like it wasn't, it was just very nice to buy something and immediately see the benefits, the fruits of your labor of what you just purchased. You know what I had to use all my action economy for getting what? rid of all the damage I was taking. So <laughs> yeah, um. maybe you should have taken less hits dog. Yeah, maybe I am curious uh, if this is a game that's super replayable. I want to play it at teams, like you said, Kenny, but 
I don't know if it's a game that's going to lend itself to being played a dozen times. I'm just not. I don't. I don't. Which see might it. be okay, right? It is. Not every game needs to be infinitely replayable. No, um, but it's nice when a game's like. I, all I mean really is that I guess I just don't know what more there is to see other than like a Super Smash Brothers esque beat 'em up space or seafaring game. So it sounds like you enjoyed it, but it's like you don't see a reason to return to it. Not often, at least. Because like, uh, you look what at did something Dolan like, think about it? Because I knew he was super hyped for this game. Uh, he loves it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good. I'm glad. He also I'm loves glad the the solo game. Yeah. So like, it's it's something he can still play solo regardless of how much Kenny hated it. <laughs> but I do think he had a good time. I think we all had a good time, except for Kenny. Which I mean makes sense. I wouldn't have had a great time either. But it's like I game I can see where the fun is. Um, I just not have a lot of fun. As you guys are really yeah. mean. We were a little mean, weren't we? We were a little mean. All right. Well, let's move on to our featured topic today, which we're going to be talking about the odd but delightful combination that is horror and holidays. We'll try to unpack what it is about these films that either do or don't work, as well as share our rankings of the bunch. The four movies we've chosen to discuss are Krampus, Violent Night, Black Christmas, and Gremlins. I think we start in reverse chronological order today. And we'll start with Violent Night, which is a 2022 movie. This is probably the least horror movie of the bunch. It's more yeah, action, it's more but action. it's still a fitting inclusion, I think. It's a film that uh, stars David Harbour as Santa Claus, who's feeling down and out about this Christmas Eve before stumbling into a hostage situation involving a terribly fucked up beyond wealthy family and a little girl who still believes in the magic of Santa Claus. What did you all think about Violent Night? I loved it. I thought it was hilarious and very much surprised me like i did not expect to have as much fun as i did watching it It it's really like a mix of like hardware uh hardware die hard (laughs) (laughs) it's like a mix it's like a mix die hard uh santa claus the one with tim allen and uh succession the tv show um what just well, I can I mean, see. The, I've never seen Succession, but with the f***ed up family, I with get the it. With the ultra rich family, yeah, uh, and that their dynamic, yeah. Um, so that's that's it's such a weird mashup of those three things. Um, that I think it's just so weird, but it works. And I think the action and the fight sequences in the movie are really fun. Um, uh, I think David Harbour's great in the movie too. Like he is. I can't think of anyone who could play like a, a grizzled Santa, um, and pull it off, uh, and make it feel believable and work you know yeah no he's he's very good it's a lot of physicality involved too mm-hmm. i mean most action films are but he does he does well you know i'm not but gonna it, say he's any tom cruise or anything but like tom cruise couldn't play gruffy santa claus either yeah you know i mean it's also like you know santa claus is a big guy right uh so he's not like this chiseled um rock hard uh yeah he's got a adonis a yeah you know it's, he's just he's just a, a big guy mm. who can throw a hammer around so I guess we should say, too, um, all four of these films we will be discussing spoilers on. So if you don't want to be spoiled, I don't think we've really even given anything away yet. But if you don't want to be spoiled on these films, uh, you should probably watch them first. But uh, we'll be talking about our feelings on them and spoilers included. So, Kyle, what about you? All right. Um, I'm going to fence it a little bit here. Um, I feel like I need to watch it again. I was surprised by the movie, but in the opposite way Kenny was, I was expecting to have more fun than I did. Um, I was really, really excited for Violent Night. I had wanted to watch it last 
uh, Christmas, like when it got released, uh, and I just never got around to it. So like when it was brought up that we we're going to do it for the podcast, I was all excited. And I, I don't know, it just, there were parts that I really liked. The action was good. David Harbour was good. There were lines that made me laugh, but some of it was just like almost too hammy. Um, I don't know if I, it obviously was not taking itself seriously as it was as like the people intruding were calling themselves like Scrooge and candy cane or whatever. And like they, they were in on the joke, which I respect. Um, it just wasn't quite there. Like I was trying to explain this to Max, uh, in a private message. Cause I think I watched it like around the same time as him. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't know if this movie wants to take itself more seriously or less seriously, but just something feels off to me. Um, so maybe it was just like the headspace I was in when I was watching it. Uh, like I said, I, I feel like I need to see it again because it feels like something I should love, especially Kenny, since you loved it and had fun. Um, one of pe- one of the people on our discord said it was like the best Christmas movie they've seen in like years and they loved it. And I just feel like I'm, I missed something my first watch. I am going to kind of fall in between you all, which is, I like that. We all have different opinions on this one. Uh, I liked it quite a lot actually, but with a caveat that I'll mention later, um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. It was the action hit, the comedy hit in many places. Um, the the one qualm that I have with Violent Night is that I don't think it is special enough to return to as a one-off movie. I thought it was a good time. I think I gave it a three and a half. I, I, I had a good time. It was enjoyable. But like I just don't think it has that kick, that, that spark that makes me want to revisit this that often. I think David Harbour did a great job. There were several lines that I'll mention my favorite scene later um, that I thought was hilarious. Action was good. Quite a bit more brutal than you would expect, at least than I expected. I mean, I knew going in that it was kind of like a John Wick-esque ordeal. Um, but there are some scenes that are... There was one in particular. I'm Now I'm failing to remember what scene it was. But there was one scene in particular that like actually got my skin to crawl a little bit. Like I was like, oh, like, it made me uh, maybe when the guy fell off the ladder to the uh, attic. Perhaps <laughs> it was that scene. Um, but yeah, there was there was several oh, yeah. that, that kind of got me a little concerned. There was also a couple dumb moments like at the end. Spoilers again, spoilers. But like at the end when they started burning the money to try and keep santa claus warm when there was literally a burning building 10 feet to the left <laughs> i was like there's a there's a bur- there's a building that's already on fire <laughs> right there it's like why are you i don't they know also had like a kill team like that. that was like miles away which is like what are you doing oh yeah yeah um, why would you have like if, if it's that secure of a facility why would your your team be three hours away when they're like emergency on call like that's suspicious. <laughs> that's size. There, one of the things I really liked is like how, uh, like David Harbor, like Santa Claus was like he was ready to go. Like the little girl told him what was happening. He was like, "All right, looks <laughs> looks like I would have to take care of business." Like yeah. it was, he was not hesitant. I don't think he had much to lose either. You know, I set that up in the intro. He's like kind of fed up and over Christmas, anyways. It's so like, give him an excuse to do something different. I think he's all about it. Like, Yeah, he's like, all right, let's, let's get our hands dirty a little bit. Right, exactly. I, I feel like you guys may have thought about this movie too much. Uh, I, don't, I, <laughs> I get that a lot, Kenny. <laughs> I get that a lot. 
No, see, Kenny, I, I don't feel that way about my viewing because I went into it wanting to, to be just mindless, dumb fun. That's what I was expecting. And when I was watching it, I don't know. I just did not get the joy that I was hoping would be there. And we're going to get into it a little bit later. I love the stupid. I really yeah. enjoy some of this stuff. So, <laughs> I, you know, well, I, I don't know. I, 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 this really hit for me for some reason. Um, like I, like as I was, I was watching these movies, I thought, are these, are any of these movies going to become like a holiday, offbeat classic like Die Hard? Um, and I think, I, I think I would revisit this. Um, in terms of just like throwing it on the background during during Christmas, not not around my daughter. Um, during, you know what I mean? But just throwing it around, you know, throwing the background, I think it, this might, this might make it, this might make the cut. I do tend to watch the same Christmas movies every Christmas. Um, the classics, Elf, Christmas Vacation, The Home Alone, what have you. There is one on this list that, that has now made it to that. Mm. Violet Night, I will watch again before Christmas this year or four days away. And it will determine whether it makes the cut for the annual viewing. You know what? That's a question I want to know. We, we, we can talk about that later because I think that our answers are going to be different uh, as far as what's become a staple. Because I think for me, there's two that have become a staple. Um, and I'll, Oh, I'll I know you're two. You yeah. probably do. I think it's pretty, I think it's quite <laughs> obvious which two are for me. But um, yeah, I think Violet Knight was, was pretty darn good. But just not anything that really blew me away, and I don't know that it has the the power to to come back in a regular Christmas rotation. Now, I want to know if you all have any favorite scenes. One thing that I thought was funny is the moment the movie ended, I texted Kyle because one of these scenes in particularly like cracked me up. Like I was audibly cackling on the couch. And uh, Kyle, you didn't even see that scene because no, the I moment didn't. the credits started, you turned the movie off and about 15 <laughs> seconds after the credits start, one of the best scenes in the whole movie happens, in my opinion. Uh, it's when you're greeted by this boy who is just a little bitch, like this social <laughs> media, whole the whole family's awful, but the boy in particular is like literally throwing his other family under the bus, like kill them first, kill them first. This dude is like a Nepo baby with more money in the world than he knows what to do with. And he's never had anyone tell him no. And he's on social media, but he's an extremely unlikable character. But <laughs> the in credit scene turned me around entirely. <laughs> he's live streaming to his followers. And he walks up to this guy that has been murdered by Santa Claus. And he's like, see this guy dead as hell. Santa's real. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Like it, it killed me. It, it, that scene alone raised it from like a three to a three and a half for me. I was like, yes, that was, that was a great ending scene. Speaking of that little boy, one of the things I mentioned like very early on in me watching this movie, like 15 minutes, I was like, on the podcast, we have to draft the worst possible people in these movies because there are a lot. We didn't set that up. We need to do these four movies. There are so many people we could draft as like just deplorable human beings. Oh, I know who you're taking with your first round draft. (laughs) Yeah, you you do. Oh, we should do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that at the very end. We have to. We have to do that real quick. Yeah, I don't know. I, I liked Violet Knight quite a lot. So where in your rankings? Do we want to share that? Or do we want to wait to the end before we rank all four of them? Let's just rank them all at the end. Okay, sounds good. Moving on to the second release. Any one of you all want to introduce Krampus to us, which released in 2015? Kyle? I'll take Krampus, yeah. So Krampus is about a movie about a pretty standard family. Um kind of a loveless marriage they have two kids uh going about the the ways of life and they have uh family coming for christmas they have 
Uh, Tony Collette plays the wife, and her sister is coming with her deplorable husband, uh, David Keckner, and their three kids. Um, and they are not a standard family. They are they are pretty trashy. Um, and so it's set up to be like just the way family Christmases always tend to be, where you love these people, but my God, do they not? They get on your nerves. Um, and then things go poorly. Um, as the little boy, uh, of the normal family, uh, Adam Scott fathered and Tony Clett mothered little boy, he is really down bad uh, around Christmas time. He's getting in fights at school. Um, he's picking fights with his cousin and he pretty much just wants Christmas to go back to how it used to be. And then that's when things start to take a turn. Um, the electricity goes out. There's a huge blizzard. And they're now stuck in this house together um, with no way out. And one of the the girl is all worried about her boyfriend and she goes out and then she goes missing. And now it becomes a rescue mission between the two dads, David Keckner and Adam Scott to find her. And yeah, things just start going awry from there. And it is all caused by Krampus. And at the end of the movie is where things really turn on its head because Krampus is there and all his little gingerbread minions are there. And it is a movie that is ridiculous and silly and dumb. And man, I did love this movie. <laughs> what did you guys think about Krampus? Um, I also love it. Um, I've, I, I, I saw Krampus when it came out um, years Same. ago and I loved it back then too. It is just such a weird and offbeat movie. Um, like it's a movie that just verges on the bat of verges is on the verge of just being bad. Um, but somehow they it's pulled it so together. Close. Uh, cause, yeah, cause some of, some of the like the action sequences are just so like, uh, you know, in the CGI. Yeah, yeah, but I I don't know. There, there's the tone of the movie. They they hit. Yeah, I I I really like this movie. Um, what do you think of Max? I was trying to go back and find something that I messaged Kyle about, but I, I it's too off the cuff of my. I'll talk about it later. Don't worry about it. I like this movie quite a bit, but not as much as you all. And I think a lot of that has to do with expectations. And I'll I'll admit that I was slow. I was slow to come to terms with the fact that this was a comedy. Um, I really was. Which you look at the cast list with David Koechner and Adam Scott, and I shouldn't have been right. Like that should give me an idea that this is a comedy movie. But I also love Hereditary, and I think Tony Collette is one of the greatest female actors working in horror right now. And when I saw her, I was like, oh, okay, like this is. My expectations were real horror movie. And then the first 30 minutes were awful. And I was like, this movie sucks. Like, I actually hate this movie. And then a switch flicked where I, a switch flick, a switch flipped where I was like, oh, I get it now. I see what's happening. (laughs) And this is actually quite a lot of fun. Um, So I, I rate it lower than you all. But I did like it quite a bit. Um, and certainly once I started treating it as a comedy, uh, did it really start to appeal to me more? It's got some insanely amazing practical effects that I am a huge sucker for. Like, give me don't don't give me the the gingerbread men. I don't care about the gingerbread men. Give me the <laughs> jack funny. in the box man. Like the jack in the box dude was sick. Anytime he was on yeah. screen, I was like, all right, this 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 movie rips. Like, this is fantastic. <laughs> I just thought that that character in general was great. Uh, there are a couple scenes in particular that I'll call out here towards the end. But, um, yeah, I think that it was it was quite good. 
And if I have one chief complaint, uh, it needed more Krampus. Yeah. I really, really liked the scenes where the daughter is out and Krampus is jumping the rooftops. And I'm like, oh, dude, it's this haunting. is sick. Yeah, like it gave me the fear. And maybe that, that was before I even realized it turned into a comedy. <laughs> and I was like, this is dope. And then that just like doesn't happen again. Like you basically see Krampus jumping the rooftops and then like maybe twice more. <laughs> it's just like you see all his minions and stuff like that, which are, which are cool for sure. But I wanted more Krampus. I wanted just more of him and his amazing features and presence that he basically brings to the, the, the scene when he's on camera. I don't know. So this cast is better than it has any right to be, right? Like, I think that's one of the selling points for this movie is that yeah. it is like silly and ridiculous. And I don't I think if it had like kind of like B-list actors, I don't know if I would love it as much. But the fact that you got Adam Scott to sign up for this, you got Tony Collette to sign up for this. David Koechner makes sense. I was going like, to say, wife, he, he fits. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the person who plays his wife was in Fargo season one or two. I can't remember which, but she was like excellent in that. Like the four main actors are just incredible um, for this movie, for a B-level like horror comedy movie. Um, I think the kids could have been better. Um, in my opinion, I don't even know if they've gone to do anything else. I'm I'm sure they have, but nothing. Of, I don't recognize them from anything. But I think that's one of the things that stands out is just like how good the cast is and like how they were willing to like do just have fun with something like this. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I wonder. I I watched the movie and I'm like, this seems like it could have been just a, such a hot mess filming, uh, just because it's so weird. And it's a Christmas movie and a horror movie, and it's so offbeat. I'm like, I wonder if like they were on set going like, oh, "What did we sign up for?" My God, <laughs> um, like, this is gonna be awful. This may this movie may really think of Drag Me to Hell, um, yeah. Because this movie really hated the, the entire family, every single yep. one of them, um, in the way that they hated uh, the main character from Drag Me to Hell. Like they just every single one of those characters just got put through the ringer. Um, some of them deserve really so, some of them not. Um, but it didn't matter that they they all got it. Um, and I I I I apparently I love that in movies because I love Drag Me to Hell. So here we are. I just like seeing people uh suffering, I guess, but not seriously suffering. There has to be a humorous edge to it to make it fun. I also didn't know the story of Krampus until this movie. Really, like I hadn't really heard of this lore. Um, Krampus is cool. So being being presented with this like this story and like the german uh like the german grandmother like kind of telling the story of like what happened to her when she was a kid i was like i don't know it made it very interesting it's like one of the reasons why i wanted to buy santa versus krampus dicern um mm -hmm. i'm sure the movie had some appeal to you when the final girl set came out kenny mm -hmm. is like oh I, I really enjoyed this movie so like yeah i want the hell yeah i want this character whereas like if those games came out and this movie didn't exist i don't know if i would have jumped on it yeah, that's fair. I also think that uh, in general, uh, to bounce up, bounce off of the Krampus is cool thing. I totally agree that that is just a. I I love like folklore type stuff. I just love that mm -hmm. stuff. It, it really hits for me. But I also <clears> thought like the way that this film framed the incident, for lack of a better term, where like the town was just enveloped in darkness and this incredible flurry outside, like monster blizzard, is just a really cool setting to be in. Where they're all like trapped in the house is like a sort of chamber piece type thing. And going out is like actually terrifying. Like, it's crazy. You do not want to be outside. 
uh, I just thought that was it was really effective. And again, maybe it was it was almost so well hidden as a horror movie that it took me too long to realize it was a comedy. And I, again, I think that's on me. I'm sure other people go right in and like, okay, I get it. This is a comedy. But for me, like the Tony Collette of it all, the the setting, all that, like took me way long to figure it out. But I also like that, like a full commitment to the bit, like a full commitment to being horror. And then also not. I feel it's pretty obvious during even that, like that opening sequence of the, of the shopping mall. I just mall. thought it was bad, dude. I just thought it was bad. <laughs> I, 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 I agree that I'm probably slow to pick it up. But for me, I was like, so like, this is trash. When the other family comes, you're not thinking like, oh man. And like, they're just like being the most heckish people <laughs> yeah. on the planet earth. And listen, about- I'm from Kentucky. That stuff is real. <laughs> That stuff is real. <laughs> That's just like a day in the life. Yeah. I was not I was not fully convinced. I don't I don't remember what the first scene was that really I I remember the scene in particular and I don't remember the the dialogue so pardon me, but where uh what's the junior where the what's the guy's name? The guy's name uh Howie. Where Howie Jr., the boy son that is like the prize possession football player son basically gets yoinked up the chimney great and and then the dad is like i don't remember the dialogue i'm real sad about it but like his son just gets yoinked up the 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 chimney and he's like oh my god he's like like he doesn't (laughs) and then he just sits down and he's like, well, what are we going to do next? And I was like, what? <laughs> he's a, there's no tear. There's no tears. He's no. like, oh, shit. I he's, lost yeah. one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, that one's gone. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, when that happened. Yeah, I think, I think like, character-wise, it's like that character was made such a big deal about, like, protecting his flock and, you know, like, being a tough guy. Uh, tough, yeah, and then like, he was a coward. Nut. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's the entire point of that. Oh, I but. I think it was a great scene. I just yeah. <laughs> it was like whiplash. I was like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> trying to pull him out of that oh, was dude. so funny. That kid sucked. He sucked. <laughs> they too. all that, that sucked. entire that entire family sucked. Yeah, they right? all yeah. sucked. That was just like I, I I felt I felt bad for that kid Max. I not not you Max, the kid oh, in the movie, yeah, the, kid, the other kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah the main yeah. kid. Yeah, it's just like what what shitty thing to put up with. But I also thought like. Adam Scott, Tony Collette, like have some backbone. Like, uh, don't don't have don't do Christmas with this the, with this family. Yeah, don't let oh, this happen. How have we not brought up like the aunt, the crazy aunt who was in there? <laughs> oh, like, the one drinking even, all the time, yeah. giving the kids bourbon. <laughs> yeah, who didn't want to even watch the kids? Or like while while like Tony Collette's making like a, like would seem like a very nice creme brulee, like just giving her shit for like you don't have yeah. hot dogs, you don't have mac and cheese. So like oh, what? You're having like a very nice meal at someone else's house. If I was Tony Collette, uh, I would have gone full hereditary on them and just been like, <laughs> "No, thank you. Get out of my house." <laughs> what was your favorite scene in this movie? Oh man, the the chimney scene I, is up there yeah. for me just because I think it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. I have the chimney scene written down, and then the Krampus jumping on buildings is just really cool. And then lastly, any scene with the the Jack in the Box. I just thought that Jack in the Box was sweet, dude. Anytime he was on screen, I was like, yeah, man, this, I need more of this. This guy looks awesome. I always go to the ending, but I really like the, I really like the ending sequence. Like, oh, I think, oh, things turned around. They, they, they figured it out, but no, oh, no. 
they're just trapped in Krampus's snow globes. Look at that twist. Which, yeah. maybe it's fine. You know, if they're just happy. I, yeah. I, he, I Max, live out Max my days in Krampus's snow globes. I'm fine with that. He gets the happy Christmas that he always had forever. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I would do it. It's a happy ending. It is a happy ending. Not, that's not a happy ending. Sure it is. <laughs> Why <laughs> They not? don't know any better. Uh, they obviously know. Cause the, as soon as he opens up that, that uh, present and they just all, their faces just go cold and just looking at that Oh, thing. that's true. I mean, you're right. But also, like, do you care? What are you going to do about it? It's Krampus. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I can't do anything about that I care. Like, that happened to me. <laughs> right, but would you spend the rest of eternity happy that you get to have a joyful Christmas with your family? Or trying to figure your way out of Krampus's snow globe? So, Krampus, Krampus is the good guy here. He did nothing wrong. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we've re- learned a lot about Max by the by this dilemma <laughs> he's that he's posing Krampus. as... Uh, yeah. Of course I am! Is anyone not? <laughs> How can you watch this movie and not be pro Krampus? Uh, I mean, he eats a lot of kids. Does he though? A yeah. lot. How many is a lot? <laughs> they were all there at the end. Half the kids are shits. Even so. even that junior true. that got ripped up the chimney was there at the end. Like it's fine. Uh, they also took that baby. That was not. That wasn't great. They that's... baby was there at the end too. Yeah. But what, what happened in real life to that baby? Um, Krampus put them in the snow globe. He's taking care of them. He's like, here, it's too cold in this storm. Get in this insulated glass snow globe. See, really, Krampus is the mother figure of it all. Anyway, Krampus is the one I'll be watching every year. Uh, Yeah, Krampus has worked its way into our rotation as one of the Christmas movies you watch every year. I'm guessing Amber likes it, because Megan likes it, too. Amber Amber loves it. What'd you give it? I think a four. Four. Yeah, I think I currently have it at a three, but it'll probably be a three and a half when it all settles down. I mean, maybe it's a five. I don't know. It's almost a. It's a damn near perfect movie. You know, that's crap. I'm 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 kidding. kidding. I don't know, man. (laughs) Give it a five star all you want. Who cares? You love it so much. Go for it. Don't be ashamed. I'm like anti shame. I'll give things five stars if I feel like they deserve it. You're like, oh, I can't have any more than twelve five stars. I'm not allowed. I can't be doing that. Max has 46. No. That's 33 too many. I treat my five stars with respect. Okay. Bro, you just spouted your love for Krampus and you're giving it a four. That's two points below. Here's my review on Letterboxd. It's real quick. I don't know. I just love it. That was my review. What was what was the That's review fair. that Kenny did the other day that was like, you're just as I'm just as surprised as you are. <laughs> It's Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Swim Band, but <laughs> that's a good review, too. I'm uh, just as surprised as you are. Yeah, that was a great review. All right, Kenny, you were probably 20 when this one came out. Can you tell us about Gremlins? Um, I was actually negative one. This came out in 1984. See, Gremlins is like, man, this is such an 80s movie. Um, mm-hmm. It encapsulates everything, the wildness of that era. Um, it's basically about... God, how do you describe this movie? <laughs> This inventor brings home a creature from the Orient, and that was bad. Real stereotypical. Real stereotypical. And brings it back to America to give it to his teenage son. I thought that was weird. Uh, yeah, he, he acted like though, his kid right? was eight, and the kid was like 16. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going right, to get right, my yeah, kid. Yeah. I'm going to get my kid a pet. And this kid's like, 
in college and like you're, you're okay anyway yeah. um gives this kid a pet and apparently this this creature is a mogwai who is kind of mystical can't can't get wet can't eat after rules. midnight a lot of rules uh, a lot of rules can't uh doesn't like bright light and all those rules are broken inexplicably and chaos happens and then these little gremlin little shits uh spawn and destroy the town um and that kind of goes from there that that that's basically the movie yeah i mean you kind of nailed it right there <laughs> you kind of nailed it all right can i tell you my first problem tell me your first problem it's when the inventor is buying uh gizmo he says he's looking for a present for his kid but then he immediately tries to start selling his shitty invention to this guy like dude that's so like real buy- though no like what well, he would not want to buy a present for his kid like he went in there he's like i'm looking for a present but have you had this massively large suitcase sized razor and toothbrush combo <laughs> bro yeah but that's like that's so relatable 80s, what a terrible like salesmen do that they'll they'll work have you talked to a crypto bro lately it doesn't matter what <laughs> you're talking about it doesn't matter what you're talking about you're like hey dude i heard that you got fired from your job but have you seen this new nft if you you're interested, yeah. You think we get a board game box office NFT? Probably. Well, that'd be worth like six cents. In well, now, but like yeah. in a couple years. Yeah, in a couple years, it might be worth five cents. Yeah, NFTs. See, that's a dangerous if we're game. lucky. I'm not into it. If we're lucky, it could be worthless. Like, I I think that it's very fitting that he's just I had a real like, problem with this with this dad. No, one, he treated his kid like he was he was like six years old. Two, his invention sucked. I didn't and hate the dad. I liked the dad. His inventions couldn't be worse. Bro, it How was the make any 80s. Money? A lot of shit was I bad understand. back then. No, not that bad. This stuff was like literally useless. His invention was that. just a toothbrush. It was just a toothbrush taped to wait, something. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you actually think that's you? I'm g- genuinely curious. I think that that's Max. not a terrible invention for it's back then. It's not an actual invention. He's just taking other people's great ideas and stuffing them in a box. That's literally what people have done for all of eternity. No, it's like here's no, a two in one. Me. Oh, you you created shampoo and you created conditioner, but here's this. <laughs> here's shampoo and conditioner. It's the same concept, and people buy that stuff all the time. Okay, well, so what I what I really liked about his character is that like he was surrounded by just insanity, right? Like even when he was like on his little trip away to the, like the invent con- uh, convention, it's all he wild was surrounded- and wacky. Yeah, she was just surrounded by like, robots and just like the weather machines <laughs> behind him, and he was just acting like everything was like a normal day. He was out of his element. He was, yeah, he was just in his general. That was his general demeanor in, throughout the entire movie. Like he like did not react to anything, and it's just like I don't know if that's good acting or maybe, or he was just trying to cash a paycheck. Yeah, um, but I I also kind of liked it. It's like I See, I, I, I like this vibe, you know. I did too. That's- I will say the dad was very loving. He loved his family. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really liked the dad character and I, I I had it written in my notes to bring it up. I looked up the actor who played the dad. His name's Hoyt Axton and he is not in anything that I've ever seen before. He's a musician first, actor second, but he has one of the most familiar faces, comforting faces I've ever seen. I didn't, anytime he was on screen, I just felt like a warm hug. I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. And I looked and I was like, no, I sure, I sure don't. But he seems like someone I should know from somewhere. I really like them. I, I thought the dad actor was great. <laughs> this is a weird thing to talk about in our Gremlins yeah. review, but I thought he was awesome. I really liked that. That was just problem one. 
All right, I got a whole slew of them. Do you really? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I, don't. I am so curious. I will say, uh, I think, Max, I'm actually kind of surprised how much you liked Gremlins. I love uh, this movie. It feels like a movie that's made to be nostalgic. And if you don't have the nostalgia for that time period or seeing this movie when you were a kid, it's just hard, it's just hard for me to believe somebody like loving that like without that history. Yeah, I've never seen this until this year. It's the first time I've ever watched Gremlins. But it's Because slapped. I think there there's some there's some r- problems I had with the writing. Um mainly like I don't think they knew what to do with I, like I I back to the dad character like I think that he was written kind of weird sometimes. I think the kid was written kind of weird sometimes Kids like they sucked. wrote it they wrote it for a 10 year old and they casted a 16 year old or 17 year old. And he was like, he was very childish. Um, the kid sucked and the mom was wasted because the mom should have been a better character because she was a badass. Like she should have been included more. I I feel like what happened in the movie is they, they, it was originally probably written for a kid, like a 10 year old, 11 year old, or or like like literally it was maybe written for Corey Feldman, a young Corey Feldman. Then they were like, "Hey, we some like some casting director was like, hey, we can get Phoebe Cates in this movie. She's really hot coming off of the uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, and they had to age up the character like 20, 10 years, you know." That, you know, I think that's Katie my theory. Nailed it. <clears throat> One of my biggest things about what worked for me in this movie is something that I will repeat till the day that I die, and I've already said it about Krampus, but I adore practical effects i i love it it makes movies feel so much more real when there are real figures in the scenes that characters can react to and that stuff was banging the gremlins were sick dude like they were incredible in particular the one scene in the kitchen where you're introduced to this gremlin with the mom again who's a ba and that was one of the great one of the great horror scenes of this movie was the kitchen scene where you're really introduced for the second time the scary gremlin. Like, it goes from being the mogwai to being the gremlin, basically. Yeah. And it was, like, unset. Like, it worked for me. I was like, dude, that, that guy looks scary and cool all at the same time. I just think practical effects make a movie. But, I, and it but did Gizmo it. also looked vi- like it was very obvious a puppet. Like, very obvious. Gizmo was amazing. I had no problems. I thought, like, I thought, like the it looked like a puppet, but it was also still very expressive and like, yeah, you know, you, you see, could see it the reminded emotion. me of a Furby. Well, yeah, <laughs> it does, but that's okay. They, they probably modeled. They probably modeled the, the Furby after Gizmo. I'm, oh, I'm, they have I'm to sure. have. Yeah. yeah, they have to have. I thought Gizmo was great. I, it's one of my bullet points that I think was was fantastic. I'm with you. I like practical effects too. Like I'm not anti CGI. Like like I think you are, Max. I probably like a lot am. Of people not entirely. Are. I'm anti over CGI. I'm I'm anti the Marvel formula. And this isn't a shot at Marvel. A lot of movies do this, but I'm anti the Marvel formula where they don't actually write out their shows and movies very well, and then they over edit things in because they're doing stuff way later on the back end. They're like, let's record this scene without actually knowing what's happening. I think you can plan out CGI. And it works really well. But if you don't plan it out, it, it ends up not working nearly as well. Yeah, you're not wrong there um, with that piece. But like, I, in general, like I don't really care about CGI unless it looks like actively bad. Whereas like, pra- I do like the practical effects here, but that doesn't mean it's like autumn. Just because it's a practical effect doesn't make it good to me. Um, I also agree with that, but it goes a long way. 
So speaking about the gremlins and like being dressed and like they were being kind of silly and like at, at points, do you consider gremlins a horror movie? Yeah. No. <laughs> I do not either. I, I was Amber. Amber uh, told me specifically, said, you need to tell them this is not a horror movie. I, I don't think it is. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Max, like, how can you go into Krampus thinking it's a horror movie and then realizing it's not, but you can't do that for Gremlins, too? Like, I I still think I Krampus see... is a horror movie. Well, I just said it, it, it framed my perspective of thinking it was going to be a serious horror movie to comedy. Cram- Gremlins was not a serious horror movie, either. It was a comedy horror. But, yeah, it's still absolutely a horror, in my opinion. I, like, unquestionably. Without a doubt. You have the scene in the the kitchen you have the scene in the classroom you have the scene in the department store like i think it's not even i'm surprised it's even a question like i mean you're welcome to have your opinion obviously and i'm glad we did would you show this to your kids would i show it to my kids yeah it, eventually not now i think i would show this to brie at seven i might show it to ellie maybe but she's also only five but like it's not something i'm going out of my way to show i'm not saying it's scary but it's still the, a horror movie for sure. Not a lot of horror movies even scare me. Like, I'm not going to show her going back to Hereditary or Midsummer or anything like that. I'm not going to introduce that to my kids. But that's not because, like, I'm afraid they're going to get scared by it. Because of the subject matter at hand and lopping off people's heads and crap like that. You know, stuff's crazy. But I really don't. I really absolutely think that Gremlins is a horror movie. Like, unquestionably so. I think it has horror, it has horror elements. But I think, like, if you're, if you're like, in a, you know create the genres genres for this movie it for me it'd be like comedy fantasy dot 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 horror like it's it's like a very like last part of the movie man yeah to me it's like horror comedy or comedy horror but nothing like those are the two focus points for me it's too like it's it's too whimsical and like like fun i don't know yeah it's hilarious it's fantastic the comedy in this worked for me instantly whereas krampus took me a while to warm up to this worked right away, and I can't tell you why that is. I don't know, but like the comedy in this held up super well for me. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I yeah, I I don't know, man. I I find it hard to even argue a point that it wouldn't be horror. Like, I mean, maybe there are other movies that we also don't agree on. So maybe our goalposts are just different, and that's totally fine. But like, yeah, for me, this is this is definitely there. No, I think I think Kenny and I both like this movie, so I it's. We're not like, I'm not trying, I'm definitely not trying to trash it, even though I'm bringing up like, my oh, issues are fine. very minor and just as like a joke, mostly. But. No, I mostly was just curious how it could not be horror, but that's fine, we can talk about that later. Um, Speaking of that, I would love to bring up one of my my complaints, my chief complaints about the movie, and it's it's uh the main guy's girlfriend. What's what's the main character's name, the kid's name? Billy. Billy, yeah. Billy, okay, Billy's girlfriend. Uh, and why her his girlfriend doesn't like Christmas? Oh, that oh was, my yeah, gosh, that yeah. was awful. <laughs> so, what, what the f- happened there? Dude, my idiot dad, who's probably forty, went into the f- chimney and snapped his neck, and that's how I found out. He thought it was a bird or a, a squirrel or something. <laughs> I was dying, and it's not meant to be a joke. I think it's meant yeah. to be a serious moment in the movie. That, that was the most horrific thing in the movie. That was the most thing that made me think, oh, this is a horror movie. That that story. What adult thinks they can fit down a chimney? <laughs> Look, I'm just in so the 80s, people by the were way skinnier. You gotta think. In the <laughs> no. 80s, people were way skinnier. All that coke. You know, he was probably really skinny from all the coke. And yeah. thought, I can get down there. He'll be fine. Yeah, he was probably drunk. People have done. 
People do dumber stuff today, Kyle. I guarantee if you look up person dead, fallen in chimney, there will be a news story from the past two years. Oh, yeah. If, probably I'm sure Florida, there's like five people on TikTok Florida, yeah. who have uh, live streamed it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. People, <laughs> yeah, people do like cave diving and stuff. Of course someone's going to dive into their chimney like an idiot. It's just things that happen. But it was just so weird and out of place in the movie, and it, it came out of nowhere. It's like they, they, they need, like, they wanted to give, like, uh, her character like emotional death and they said okay let's write this weird side story but it, it plays into it. nothing in the movie I liked it I think it's fine you like you liked it I well, it was not a detractor for me I'm not gonna say like oh that scene knowing that context added to the movie for me no it didn't but like it was fine it didn't take away from the movie for me in any stretch either because it's Gremlins and Gremlins is already a weird and wacky movie it works but it's just weird I I, I can't. I I I kind of look at it and go like, how did someone say this? Yeah, let's do this. Um, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? it got greenlit by yeah, so it, many people. It, it, that is kind of funny. <laughs> One of the things I have uh, another bullet point I have for what worked, which I think is a funny bullet point, is that I think the over the top antagonist, and when I say antagonist, I don't even mean the gremlins. I mean Mrs. Deagle. I think she <laughs> yeah. was just hilarious. She was a cartoon character. Bro, you, you know, you know what really upset me about her. She cut in line every time. Yeah. Like every the time. The first scene with her, she cut in line and she was like, I'm going to murder your dog. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? And she's like, it's going to be a slow and painful death. And you're like, wait, dude, she was she was obsessed with slow death. Yeah, she dude. brought it up like four times, which is ironic because she had a very fast death, which is one of the great scenes in all of Gremlins, in my opinion, when they wire her her chair to go up her circular mile-long staircase that then shoots her out of the window. And just that was hilarious. A fantastic so scene. Funny. I loved that scene. When she got her just desserts, I was like, hell yes, gremlins. That Let's go. It's it's also it's, one of these movies where you're rooting for the gremlins, right? Like to an extent, you're rooting for them. It's almost yeah. like a Godzilla movie, a monster movie, where you're like, yes, do it. Kill these people that suck. <laughs> Um, I love because uh, shortly after she like gets ejected out of the house, the cops are coming around. Yeah, I saw the cops did, did jack shit. Yeah. They just like they're like, like, oh, that uh, was Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> I, I think I think we should go back to the station and ignore all this. <laughs> oh yeah, some some great cops in these movies too. Just really on top of their game. Oh yeah, big in time. all four of these movies, big. So time. I so I watched Gremlins when I was a kid. Um. Uh, but you know, I I have weird memories of it here and there, but I I was really struck by just how Christmassy this movie is. There, there's a lot of Christmas elements. In yeah, this movie. there is for sure. Um, I mean, the grim the and, Mogwai is a Christmas gift. I mean, to bring it all yeah. into perspective. And yeah, and the, the, like you you hear like Christmas songs throughout, and yeah, it's it's definitely Christmas movie. And that that really that really took me by surprise, just like how strong that element is in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think I've already said all I want to say, but I loved Gremlins. It is absolutely, we're talking about Christmas staples, this is definitely one for me. It worked, despite not having any nostalgia to it. I thought this was fantastic. I don't think it'll be a staple for me, but I could see me returning to it like every few years. Like, oh, I haven't watched Gremlins in a while, I, I want to turn that on. Um, Yeah, I'd probably, probably be there too. Great movie. Great movie. I mean, for me. For you all. maybe, Maybe less so. But for me, yeah, it was it was good. So let's do. Right, I I gave it a four star. What did you give? Okay, it, Okay, so you gave it the same thing as Violent Night. I gave yeah. it a three and a half. 
I gave it a four and a half. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked it as well. So, and I could even talk myself into a five. Like it was funny. I was I was actually talking in our Discord, and I was like, I'm looking at it, and I want to pull it down to a four. And I say that because I'd rated a lot of things very highly at the same time. Like I had a few really a good movie streak where I got several four and a halves or something. I was like, I want to pull it down to a four, but I I can't. Like I'm just I'm looking at anything that I can do to pull this down to a four, and it 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 can't. Like it's it absolutely has to be a four and a half for me. Freaking freaking great movie in my opinion. Yeah, I mean if you if you love it, like if you have that immediate reaction of just you'd love something, then yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah. Do that. I yeah, I, I stuck with it. It's it's great. And the last movie on our list is 1974's Black Christmas. This is a slasher film, which is often credited as being one of the like original films in the slasher genre, but we'll talk more about why it is quite different from what we've come to know as slasher films in this day and age. But I did want to bring up a quick bit of trivia and say to Kyle and Kenny and, and you listeners listening in, what other Christmas classic movie do you think the director of Black Christmas also directed? Classic. A big classic movie that I, I get that a was year? Surpri- surprising. Uh, yeah, we'll give you a year. The year is going to be... Ni- I'll give you a... Uh, uh, can I give you a five-year period? Sure. 80 to 85. Christmas story. Correct. Bob Clark directed both Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. <laughs> so I I didn't look this up, I promise you. I had to start thinking about, okay, this movie was shot in 74. What movies came out around that time? Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that I could go off of. Yeah, yeah. It's just such a unique uh, turn. <laughs> he directed two it's Christmas very, classics. Very different. A very dark and heavy Christmas movie and a very lighthearted and like family friendly Christmas movie. It's just it's very interesting to see the hard turn there. But um, this is a movie that I think I liked more than the rest of the crew, uh, including Amber, who we were going to have joined. But she did watch these with Kinney as well. And I think uh, Kinney is going to convey some of her thoughts. But this is a it's a real dark and patient Christmas slasher, which doesn't necessarily feel a whole lot like a slasher because it's kind of like an unnamed antagonist. Like you never see the guy. You know he's Billy. a killer. It's all point of view. Yeah, I, I did say unnamed. He's very clearly named, but more so that like you don't know much about him. You know a little bit about his past and a little bit about why he's very messed up. But other than that, you kind of like sit in his shoes for the killings rather than see him meander around doing a lot of things. So, if you will, tell me what you thought about Black Christmas, and we'll dive into it. I think, I think we, we were t- chatting about it, Max. And I think like, I think I walked away thinking like it was really like progressive in a lot of ways and it feels like modern in a lot of ways. Um, but then I think there's a lot of ways where it doesn't. Um, so I, I think it's maybe like, I, I appreciate some of the things it did. Um, but I, I, it's not a movie I, I could say I really enjoyed throughout. Um, but I, there's a lot of things I really admire about it. And yeah, that's kind of like where I landed. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's some, things that like i really loved about the movie um but along with kenny like uh, the other stuff just didn't really land with me um so the things i did like i'll I'll talk about that one i liked the first person perspective of the killer Mm -hmm. i liked seeing that i thought that was a very unique thing to do uh specifically for the 70s um i feel like we could see that almost now um and it would still kind of take me by surprise so to see it 40 years ago is awesome Mm -hmm. uh one of the other things i really liked about the movie is i love the trope of the callers from inside the house, mm. um, which 
uh, you know, one of my favorite movies, Scream, like played off on. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so I'm sure it used Black Christmas as like a stepping stone towards that, uh, a little bit of an influence. Um, so those are things I really liked. Um, I thought the kills were were good and they were spaced out correctly, but other parts were just kind of slow. Like I kind of expected this movie going into it that it would all be, happen in one night and it would just be like kill after kill after kill. And that's not the way it was. Like, there was a lot of stuff that happened outside of the house, mm-hmm. which I was not expecting. A lot of stuff with the cops on campus. Things that I don't know. I think it told more story than it probably needed to, even, um, with some of the characters. Uh, maybe that's because it was trying to get you to uh, expect Peter as the killer. Um, mm-hmm. So there were parts where I thought it dragged a little bit. Um, and it was just a little bit of an uneven movie for me. Parts where I was, like, really into it and parts where I was like, okay. I don't know if I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty fair way to describe it. I mean, I, I love this movie, but I think describing it as uneven is a pretty uh, apt description that I can't really say you're wrong to or anything like that. I, I think that, that that nails it. I get why this film doesn't work for people. It, it does for me, for sure. But like, I can understand that it, it wouldn't always work for others. So do we want to talk about what uh, worked, like what else didn't work, work for us? Because there were some things like, We'll save the favorite scenes for later, but one of the things that didn't work for me kind of was like, was the acting. Um, as I mentioned to you guys, I thought the actress who played Jess was terrible. Um, she was almost trying to play this like it was a Shakespeare play. So over the top, some of the writing between her and her boyfriend, Peter, was like truly awful dialogue. Like, I can't believe that was it was actually written like that. And then they acted it like it was written and it was just very cold and had no emotion behind it, despite being a heavy subject matter of like whether I should have an abortion or not and whether we should get married. So we don't have an abortion. Like it was almost like too, there was not enough emotion in it. And then other parts, they were like too emotional. Uh, and it just didn't, <laughs> yeah, it just didn't work for me. I, I don't know. I could not stand her as a character or as an actress. Yeah. I found her like very distracting in the movie. And like, it's funny you say Shakespeare because she, her like main role was from like Romeo and Juliet. Um, oh, really? Film. Yeah, from like the sixties. Um, I think it's like what she's best known for. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were watching this, we just cracked up every time she'd answer the phone because she would answer she, the way she answered the phone. She'd go hello like that, just that <laughs> cadence every single time. You're like, late lady, you know, like there's there's like a killer on the other side on the phone, and you're answering hello. Um, she thought it was like her best friend calling. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, nice little surprise here. <laughs> um, and yeah, and like I think like just like some of her reactions were. Like her emotional scenes were just kind of felt offbeat and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not hit for me. I do think like uh, I think Margot, 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 Margot Kidder, Kidder, Kidder. Yeah, she plays the. She's best known for playing Lois Lane in the um, Christopher Reeve's uh, Superman movies. I thought she was really good. I did too. She played like yeah, the, she was good. The 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 drunk uh, um, college the sister who was kind of like running the house. I thought she was really really good. I guess I was less bothered by Jess. Uh, I definitely don't think that she was like, like, I'm not, this is not one of those possession things where I'm like, oh, that was 100% intentional. Like, I think it was, I think it was incredible. Like, she's no Isabella Johnny, who I, I do think was incredible in possession. Uh, whereas Olivia Hussey as Jess was maybe grading a little bit, but I never felt like, I guess I, I disagree with your sentiment as far as like, there wasn't enough emotion here, anything like that, because I think that part of why her character is so interesting and like a like a feminist icon almost is that she like 
she's just very sure of what she wants and like it's not that emotional to her it's like i'm 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 getting this abortion and that's it peter like you're not going to talk me out of it this isn't an emotional conversation it's a it's a yes or no thing that i'm doing and it's it's going to be done like that's it there's no more discussion to be had it's just a, a matter of fact i mean that that's fine i i agree with you um, which is crazy thinking about like that conversation happening in a movie in the seventies. I think it right? was. The, like, I think this was a year after Roe v. Wade. Okay, just one right, year. That makes, I mean, yeah, and this is a Canadian movie too. It so is correct. Probably more progressive a little bit. Um, but I the one thing I'm thinking about is like when he's like doing the piano thing, and she's like coming to see him, and it's more like we need to talk. Well, there's not much to discuss. I'm going to dinner at nine. Will you be there? Yes, that's exactly like how the lines were read. It was just so monotone, in my opinion. I I don't know that that scene in particular. I mm. think is the one where I like really started going in on her, and like f- from there on out, like she couldn't do anything to overcome that scene. And I guess <laughs> really, to me so. that just and, and to me it just reads as like a a I didn't take it as it didn't it didn't stand out to me. It was just a scene that makes sense for them to be talking that way because they're already kind of at odds with one another. Like they're not really. I don't know. So that's how I took it. But I get it. Like, I, I understand your complaints. But it's not a problem. But let's talk about one more thing that didn't work for me. I thought the kill scenes in this movie were very weak. Um, I, I think you mentioned, like, you like the, the first person scenes of it. But, like, in general, like, they were just, like, few and far between. And they're, they're just, like, I agree with that. very, very vanilla. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's also the 70s. But, like, this was also coming off of, like, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre where, like, shit got real. Um, so I think like this really didn't really push See, the envelope. That's so they interesting. Push the envelope very much. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I was like, "Oh wow!" I expected brutal killings, and instead it was like bonk on the head, you're dead. Like that's all that's it was funny. in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The killings to me agree, in Black Max. Christmas are way more interesting than Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The killing in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he puts her on the the hook, interesting. I like it. But a lot of the reason that I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the brutality of it and that it's not like, it's not uh, romanticized. You get to bonk on the head with a hammer, boop, you're dead, into the freezer you go. Like, there's really not a lot to it. Whereas, like, one of the greatest scenes of this movie is the Christmas Carol murder, basically, where Jess is sitting there listening to carolers and Barb is trying to sleep and just getting stabbed with this glass Christmas tree icicle, whatever thing it was. And like <laughs> the the back and forth, the juxtaposition was just uh, incredible. <laughs> like it was, that is yeah, one of right. the greatest scenes in the movie for me. And like whether it worked for you or not, because it's kind of funny. Like the hook scene on Mrs. Mac, yes. still a great kill scene, scene in my opinion. Um, That's my favorite scene. I think I laughed out loud. Yeah, I think there are some <laughs> really good scenes. Oh, th- this is less a kill scene because they're already dead. But when is it Jess? I think walks in to the room where there's two people murdered on the bed and then she like hears something and turns to look and you see his eye through the the hole like the the gap in the door like dude that is like when that happened i was like oh like it actually it didn't like frighten me but it got an audible gasp out of me when like they it was just a beautiful like cinematic shot but like also at the same time very just like unsettling incredibly i also liked the ending of the movie with like the for his first kill with the plastic bag over her head still like there. rocking in the chair yeah. the, it's still there in the window and like the cops are like all right we got everything we need here yeah 
and just like you hear no you left bodies in that house <laughs> you hear a lot of complaints about the ending like that's one of the chief complaints for people oh, online really? because they find it unbelievable that so the movie leaves it up for interpretation right the the movie basically ends where jess is alive and in bed recovering in the house the cops have not yet caught the murderer who is in the attic still they think they have and they though. think they have and they just kind of leave and other people like the chief complaint is like oh they would have like checked the attic right like they would have checked the attic but now jess is gonna die because they didn't but it's like dude the cops were proving their incompetence the whole movie like barb told one of them that what was it fellatio was a new yeah. code and he was like oh it's a it's police code 800 fellatio or something like that and you're like okay like they're idiots and people cops are idiots in real life too not all of them but some of them are like that is not unbelievable to me that they would stupidly leave her alone and leave her to dead basically however the cops were like hey the killer's in the house yep. you should probably leave the house and she's like no no i'm gonna go upstairs that was well one of the dumbest decisions i guess I i've ever seen in a movie less bothered by you because a i think kenny said this too but like it's a horror movie right like they do that all the time that is something that happens all the time they do that all the time but i also think it's more justifiable in other movies than this but one. her this friend one was, like, was upstairs like i still find it justifiable to me like i know the cop told her not to but she wanted to check on her friend right unless i'm misremembering but I'm pretty sure she wanted to check on Barb, or I think, and that's why she wanted to go look upstairs. So, like, to me, like, yeah, like, it was dumb, but we knew the killer was up there, and, like, there was a basement, too. Like, they told her the killer was in the house. They didn't tell her where, necessarily. She knew her friend was upstairs. It's like, it makes sense to me that she would want to go find her friend to get her friend out, is how I, I see it personally, how I come to terms with that. Yeah, I, I think that's what the movie landed on it, too. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's a dumb move, but in terms of horror movies, I think it's it's it works within the logic of um, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. one of the I think the biggest complaint from from me included is that the movie is a bit, like you said, uneven, where it's real patient and real slow at times. Not like to the extent that I was falling asleep or anything, but like there are moments where. It's very exciting, and then there are moments where you're kind of just waiting for the, the other shoe to drop, waiting to see what happens next. Yeah. I, I, I found, like, the movie pretty slow and just uninteresting for the first 90 minutes. I think, like, the last half really kicked off, and it was, like, tense and interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would share that. It's uneven, and um, I think it just... I mean, it, I, I have to give it, like, a certain amount of, like, you know, leeway, just because, like, this is kind of, like, a revolutionary uh, horror movie because like this is like one of the first slasher films and um i think it's like defining a lot of like uh conventions of the genre um but it it was for me it was rough the first like three quarters of it at least yeah i give it major props for like what what it set forward because i think we all really like slasher movies in general and like i don't think they would be where they are without black christmas um and it's not a movie i was like even familiar with until we decided to do it for this list. I had really no idea about it. So it's really not even in like the, the pop culture zeitgeist anymore. I watched um, it, it probably... in my horror month list. Cause I mean, I knew about it a little bit ahead of time, but yeah, it, I think it's kind of a cult classic 
where like some okay. people really, really, really love Black Christmas, and it's it it has a very good. I can see it being a cult classic. Yeah, a lot of yeah, people, that makes sense to me. A lot of people really like it, but it's not a popular film. I guess I I should say. Um, a couple of things I want to touch on too that I don't think we have quite as much is like to me I think it's really crazy how much this movie subverts expectations and tropes we've come to know. Like the final girl in every common modern, not even modern classic, the final girl in most horror movies is like the good girl virgin like that's what's up and in this one the the virgin girl who's the goody goody two shoes is like the first to die and the final girl is a girl who is getting an abortion and like it's just very flipped on its head from what you're used to seeing in movies like these with i i think is very interesting um it's obviously a pretty feminist movie which i think is done well because i believe it was written and directed by a man so like i think that that's pretty good on them for not falling into a lot of the tropes that we see like no one in this movie like barbs slightly but no one's really like sexualized in any way shape or form much i mean it's it's pretty tame and pretty just i don't know it's it's like you're watching a real sorority rather than some trope filled horror movie i feel like i will say i do also love uh speaking of like things that were subverted i also love that the killer was somebody we don't didn't know Mm -hmm. it wasn't i i was so worried that it was going to be peter and i would have been very pissed off about that that's such a lazy that would have been such a lazy uh killer yeah when the movie so it being somebody you don't know i I loved that right idea i also think that and you mentioned this can you not really being engaged with the first three quarters of the movie but like to me the phone calls were so unsettling yeah i i'd agree i, I think the phone calls were yes great like they were yeah, they were but- like really just like you said unsettling and just like i think those were like the things that are like every time it happened I, I perked up yeah right it's you don't you didn't know what was going to be said you're right like i don't know how we went this entire time without talking about the phone calls yeah, yeah the phone calls really made it and funnily enough is like I mentioned to my other friends that like I was watching Black Christmas or I was starting to watch Black Christmas and they just responded with a phone emoji. Yeah. Like that's yeah, all they yeah, responded yeah. with. Yeah. So I was like, that really like what the movie is. Oh like, yeah. There's phone calls. Well, literally the, is it the credit scene where the phone is just ringing? Cause there's no one there to answer it. And that's also like haunting. It's just like the credits are rolling and the camera's panning outwards from the, the, the building, but you still hear the phone just constantly ringing yeah. with no one to pick it up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I obviously like this more than you all, but I'm glad you at least gave it a shot. But I, I love Black Christmas. It's another one that I think is like a staple for me up there with Gremlins. I definitely, I definitely hate it. Um, sure. I, I probably will not be returning to it yeah. really unless like I, I can't even see like in a few years. Like, it's probably a one and done for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did appreciate for a lot of what it did, and I am glad I watched it. Yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah, man. I, I think I like the same thing. Like, I think like I I really appreciate that it's a horror movie with has something to say and has like interesting themes and they execute the themes well. But it's not something I enjoy watching. Mm. Um, just in terms of like the pacing and um some of the choices they made. You know, I I think I I was also just constantly entertained by Barb and especially Mrs. Mack. I think she was a great comedic <laughs> uh, relief throughout the course of the with film. her like. With her like whiskey or whatever in every in the room. toilet. Yeah, she has one in like every room. <laughs> she just takes off the back of the toilet, starts drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. Yeah, like Oh crazy. god, that was I that was the most disgusting thing in that movie. <laughs> just pulling that whiskey bottle out and going to town's like, oh my god. Ugh. But it's so funny to me. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I loved I loved Black Christmas. So uh, real quick before we go ahead. Just I think you talked about it too, but I love the ending. I love the fact yeah. that like you never see the killer. You ne- you the killer gets away with it. No one knows it, about it. Yeah, that was that was just yeah the top and for the me. plastic bag. Like oh that's I yeah. know it's the cover of the movie is the girl in the rocking chair in the plastic bag, but like that image is still like burned in my skull. Like it's just a hot. And I knew Kenny awesome did like the image. kills, but like that plastic bag kill is I don't know yeah. is almost like iconic. That's funny. Like I, I found the kill so like mundane in this movie. Oh man, I I'm not saying they're like the greatest kills of all time. I I actually think that the Christmas Carol scene might be one of the greatest kills. Uh, really? Like top, oh, maybe I, top ten in any slasher that I can think of. It's just like a fetishization of uh, unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cool, dude. Like the music overlaid with the brutality and like, ugh. I this love is uh, it. this is where this is where bronies come from. This that scene. Nope. Can confirm not 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 where they come from. I'm not a not falling down that rabbit hole. Um, okay, Bef- before we do our little draft, which will be pretty uh, <laughs> cuff off the cuff, spur of the moment type thing. Tell me how you rated ranked these. Not necessarily rated these. That's fine. But how you ranked these from one to four or four to one? All right, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, four is Black Christmas. Um, just simply, just not not as fun as the watch as the other three. Um, three, I'm putting Violent Night, uh, real toss up between this and Gremlins, but I do think Gremlins is more fun. Uh, so Gremlins is my number two. And then of course, uh, one is Krampus. It's the one I definitely connected with the most. Yeah. So they're actually really pretty closely, uh, score wise. I think I gave, uh, Black Christmas a three and a half. Uh, that was my lowest one. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was my four. I God, I don't know. I think probably Violent Night would be third, even though I, I do love it. And Gremlins second, and then Krampus first. I think is that the same order you had, Kyle? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's yeah. the same order. And I have Violent Night fourth again. Still enjoyed it. It and Krampus are basically coin flip. Like I liked them both for different reasons. I think that I could watch any of them, whatever, and I, I'd feel similarly. But we'll put Krampus at three. Uh, Gremlins and Black Christmas are basically another coin flip, but the good ones. <laughs> Where I'm not sure which one I liked more, but uh, you could ask me tomorrow and it'd change. But for now, we'll put Gremlins at two and Black Christmas at one. So Black Christmas, Gremlins, Krampus, Violent Night. All right. So there's a lot of shitty people in these movies. A lot of terrible, terrible (laughs) families. A lot of awful people. Uh, let's, Let's draft a couple to see if we can get the worst. Who can have the... Do we want to do a duo or a trio? Trio. Okay. Who can have the worst trio of all four of these movies? Oh my gosh. We're doing this off the cuff. This is going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad. All right. Max. Yo, buddy. You are, you are pick one. Oh, snap. I don't know what to do with pick one. Kenny, you're pick three, and I'm pick two. I do not know what to take with my first pick. There's so many people. Oh my gosh. I think I know who I'm going to start with, but I feel like going first is not great for me. Um, Cause I think the turn is going to, a lot of good options are going to be gone. Uh, <laughs> so for my first pick, I think I'm going to take Gertrude from oh, Violent Night. 
That is the <laughs> absolute awful grandmother <laughs> from Violent Night. Okay. Good good call. Played by Beverly D'Angelo from uh, yeah. the National Lampoon's movies, which is yeah. craziest year after all these years. And for how much I love Christmas Vacation and I've seen Christmas Vacation in my life, I could not place her for anything. Like it was yeah, finally like yeah. I was like, where do I know her from? And, same, same with yeah, us. I had to look it up. Okay. With my second pick, might surprise you boys. Might surprise you here. I'm going with Ruby Deagle. Oh, I didn't even. I should have taken (laughs) Mrs. Deagle. Dang it. Truly a heinous person who wanted slow deaths for dogs. You're absolutely right. That is, I missed missed up there. I should have taken Mrs. Deagle. She should have been pick 101. (laughs) You're absolutely right. So that's like Michael Jordan dropping to three. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I messed up. Gertrude's bad, but Mrs. Deagle is worse. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mrs. Deagle, and I want to murder your dog slowly and painfully. <laughs> Awful. All right. My, so I get two? Yeah, boy. Two, yep. All right. I'm, I'm going to pick Peter, uh, the boyfriend from um, Black Christmas. Solid. He used a real shithead. What a dickhead. Solid pick. Um, just, yeah, all around... Like he he would probably fit in really well with the modern age with a lot of these uh with a lot of the bros out there, mm-hmm. but he was a real real piece of work. Um, gosh, for the second one, it's hard. So I find it hard to pick anyone from Krampus because they all kind of had a turnaround, right? They were all the characters eventually eventually got there, but they were real. But man, this this first three minutes with them were also really bad. Um. I, th- I think I'm going to pick something from one of the, these movies. I think I'm going to go with Aunt Dorothy. Um, oh, she wasn't. No. She didn't really have a great redemption redemption arc. Yep, that, even even when even during like you know after everything had happened, she's giving the kids booze. It's like that's not that's, that's not who I was hoping would make it around to me. <laughs> that's definitely who I was taking at my pick. I had her queued up. Okay, I don't know. I can't remember remember this guy's name and it's not clear on the violent night wikipedia but who was uh gertrude's daughter's like boyfriend or husband is that morgan Steele? i think so i'm taking him that dude freaking (laughs) blue yeah he's uh he's rough he's rough for sure uh hey i'm actually not too mad about that i got a pretty good I got a pretty good turn around, turn of the corner here. You know, honestly, I really think that Mrs. Deagle is probably the only one worth drafting from Gremlins. Maybe the boy, maybe the son, but like, he's really not that bad. Yeah. I mean, probably the dad who died in the chimney. I think. Oh, it's my, like, God. Like oh my God. Oh my God. You never even see him. The most infuriating thing about Gremlins is when initially when uh, Gizmo gets, you know, splashed with water and he's just like writhing there in pain. Oh my God. And, and he does it again. And, like, they're di- they're doing nothing. They're just like, oh, look at this. What, look what's happening? Well, and they're like, not trying to comfort the, the little guy. I'm like, oh, you guys are such worse than that. He takes him to the teacher and says, hey, watch this. And yeah. does it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's for science. Man. I mean, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It's for science. I'm going to take Howard, David Keckner's character yeah. uh, from Krampus. I think he's pretty awful. Uh, and then the last pick is a bit of a discussion point but i'm gonna take bert from violent night the grandson uh so gertrude bert and howard are my trio Whew, that's a that's a good trio max 
Um, oh man, my last you're take, pick is you've got to be, be taken. You're not taking her. I might. I mean, you called her a feminist and all that stuff, and you know I'm down with the cause. So it's hard for me to like. <laughs> I did I did hate her so much though. It's between it's between her and probably the twin girls from Krampus. Jordan I, and I'm Stevie. gonna get them as, as a as a pair. Uh, but I gotta it. take Jess. Yeah. I gotta take Jess. She bothered me so much. That's funny, but I don't think she was like a terrible like person. No. I just I think you just didn't like her. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's a yeah. very. It's, that's why it was it's very specific. That's why she felt. That's why she felt around three. Look, listen. No one else is gonna take her. <laughs> We're not doing any more rounds. We're down with the cause. I guess Kyle's not. I no, no. You know I'm down with the cause, man. You know I'm down with the cause. All right, Kenny. Last pick, baby. Uh, um, I mean, it's. I feel like the easy. I mean, the most obvious pick is just pick John Leguizamo from. Uh, violent night, but he's cool though like i'm not bad yeah, about but, yeah yeah but i'm also like thinking billy sucked from gremlins right he, yeah he kind of sucked. sucked. I, I mean I, I think we're gonna have to go with him he he was not he was not a good pet owner okay you know what I mean? this is the same as this is as equal as me taking no Jess. it is not you're saying no. that a feminist is equal to someone who tortured their <laughs> their pet i'm not saying she's bad because of being a feminist she's just a feminist who's bad she he tortured his pet. Yeah. No, not on purpose. Yeah, he's also a not- terrible fighter. He is worthless. <laughs> he is worthless. I think he was. I think he was meaner to his dog than he was to Gizmo. He was meaner to really Gizmo started- than he was to Stripe. He really started to neglect the dog. Stripe was trying to kill Gizmo. him, and he's like, eh, "It's fine." Gizmo's like, dude, yeah, he was a terrible fighter. He he did not get the mom's genes. The mom killed like three gremlins in two <laughs> minutes. And he struggled to kill one in a department store for an hour. He got his shitty dad's genes. Oh, we didn't even talk yeah. about Gizmo riding in the Barbie car. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> what awesome. a scene. Yeah, I, was, I love the scene where you got the close-up of him and you can see the back room just zooming behind yeah. him. Just like, wow, what it's motion. So I love this. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that movie slaps. Who did you pick as your last one again? Oh, you picked Billy. Yeah, Billy. Okay, okay, okay. He sucked. Let us know who you think picked the most. Uh, what's the indefensible? What's the word we want to? Deplorable. Deplorable. There we go. The most deplorable trio here. And let us know what you think about these horror Christmas movies. Are there any ones that we uh, really missed? I mean, obviously there will be, but like, are there any that you think are must viewings we can get to maybe next year do a similar episode? Uh, let us know in the Discord wherever you can find us thanks as always for listening thanks kenny and kyle for joining me this episode and as always let's get out of here happy holidays